Southeast Mortgage, the official home loan lender of the Georgia Bulldogs, presents the official podcast of Dogs on Demand on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. On today's program, we'll give you the latest news from the world of University of Georgia Athletics and more. And now, from the broadcast studios of Dogs on Demand, here's your host, Chris Hall. Chris Hall here for Dogs on Demand on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and all those other places. And our program, of course, brought to you by Southeast Mortgage, the official home loan lender of the Georgia Bulldogs. When it comes time for you to finance or refinance your home, go to southeastmortgage.com slash UGA. It's good to have Aaron Murray with us, of course, and everyone knows Aaron, UGA great, commentator for ESPN. And when we want to talk serious football stuff, we always say, well, let's get Aaron on the line and um, we'll talk with him about uh, things going on with the with UGA. Well, Aaron, welcome to our program today. Happy New Year, uh, New Year to you. And what about that? Two national championships in a row. Who would have thunk it, huh? I mean, after not winning for 40-plus years and to, to be a part of some of the heartbreaks over the past decade-plus of, of close but no cigars type moments for, for UGA to win – yeah, like you said, not just one, but two. It's uh, you gotta gotta have to pinch yourself. That like, oh my gosh, you know Georgia is you know no pun intended top dog in college football. Like they are at the top of the mountain, and everyone else now is trying to figure out how do we become like Georgia? You know, how do we have success on defense and offense? And you know what's the secret going on in Athens? And um, I think the secret is they're just really good in a lot of areas, from yeah. you know academics to facilities to coaching to. Uh, recruiting and the wealth of recruits you can get in, in the state of Georgia and the surrounding states. Uh, there's they, they have everything to offer. That, the, the nightlife, the downtown Athens is the best we all know yeah. in all of college football. Like as a student athlete, you get everything you could possibly want. That's the secret sauce. Other universities, you may get one, two, three of them. Georgia, you get every single thing. So that's that's it. It's it's it's. So we all have known this. It's a sleeping giant that that Kirby woke up and. You know they're on top of the mountain, and, and right now I I don't think they're going to give up that spot anytime soon. Yeah, it's a, a, just an extraordinary season, topped off by, you know, that Ohio State game put me through the ringers. Now I'm too I'm too old for that kind of business, you know. But uh, Georgia, you know, won that game amazingly to me, won that game, and then you go into the national championship game, and you know you got guys saying, well, TCU they're going to hang with Georgia, and a lot of guys were picking uh, TCU. I never thought that. I, I didn't think. TCU had the studs and, you know, had the team to hang with Georgia. Then Georgia wins 65-7. to I mean, it, it, you know, amazing. Uh, now, a week after that game, you know, we've had time to kind of digest this thing with a 15-0 regular season or a season, uh, SEC champions, back-to-back national champions. You know, you've, you've touched on it already, but just your thoughts. A week, a week away from winning that national championship, just your thoughts about not only this extraordinary season, but last year as well. Just how do you assess yeah. this time in Georgia football history? Well, first off, I, I was with you for that Ohio State game. So I was I was on the call for ESPN Radio for the Alabama-Kansas State game in New Orleans. So my, my wife and I were there. I called the game. Um, I got on a flight, landed in, in Atlanta just as the game was kicking off. So I'm you know listening to the game. I essentially listened to the first half of the game on, on ESPN uh, on my radio and 
you know, it was a tight game. And then I get to my, my parents' house. We're watching our two kids and, and I'm sitting down watching the game with my dad. And we're just, I mean, we're pulling our hair out. I, I, I think I looked at him like midway through the third quarter, end of the third quarter. I was like, I, I don't think we're going to win this game. Like, I don't. Like, yeah. I do not feel good that we're going to win this game just based on kind of how they were playing and CJ and Marvin Harrison. And it just seemed like it was just the perfect storm. Like, they were having a perfect game. And that's, yeah, that's what you needed in order to beat Georgia this year. You had to play A plus football, and Georgia had to play, you know, B B ish football, depending on what kind of caliber team you were. And it was just one of those nights where that was happening. And, you know, and 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 to see the game end the way it did and all the excitement is like, wow, okay, we survived. And 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 and, and same thing that you were kind of alluding to too, Chris, is you know, I I, I didn't give TCU any chance. Like I was on a, a million shows leading up to that national championship, and and everyone just kept asking me, like, what does TCU need to do to win? What does TCU? I'm like, guys, TCU is <laughs> not going to win. Like, yeah. let's just get it over with. Like, this is going to be a really bad, not a very entertaining national championship unless you're a Georgia fan. They don't have the caliber of player to do that. Plus, Kirby Smart's going to get these dudes pretty pissed off based on their performance versus Ohio State. You're going to get the best Georgia football team in this game. And that happened, and that being obviously the, the, the big blowout. So, you know, that, that was kind of my reaction to the past couple weeks of just on the field. From, from stepping back and seeing Georgia as a whole over the past two years, um, you know, it, it, it goes to, you know, Kirby Smart first off, you know, right. the leadership that he is, has, has taken up when, he, you know, the, the role he's taken over as the head coach, his leadership, his work ethic, his ability to recruit, his ability to, uh, to motivate. I mean, those pregame speeches have yeah. me wanting to run through a wall and put that, that you know, this helmet on my, uh, you know, back here, back on and go out there and play again. Uh, he can motivate like no other. Uh, he can get those guys ready to go. Uh, I've been to a ton of practices, the way they compete every single day. Uh, it's, it's, it's just amazing, man. He has built a winning culture, a team first culture, which is hard to do in today's world with NIL, with the transfer portal. Uh, he has built an atmosphere and an ecosystem in which players want to come. They want to compete. They want to grind. They want to get better. And like I said, they want to put the team first. And I think that is to me, the most impressive thing that he's done in an era where that's just really hard to do. Yeah, it's remarkable. You know, as you look back on this season, uh, you, you, starting in Oregon, you know, it seemed like uh, who knows how many years ago it seems like. But, you know, you look back on this season, there's always turning points, I think, in a, in a season uh, where you can go one way or the other, win this game, this play, that kind of thing. Uh, in your mind, what were some of the turning points for this season that, that brought Georgia to where uh, Georgia wound up as the national champions? Uh, you know, I think, I do think that win versus Oregon kind of reaffirmed to them in that locker room that, that we are elite, that we do have a, a, a chance. Cause a lot of times it's just belief, man. Like you, you have to believe in that locker room that you can go out there and, and win and win big time games and big time moments. And you know, I think that that was a moment that kind of allowed them to kind of feel like, oh man, th this could happen again this year. Uh, I thought the Missouri game was a big point too for them. To, to say, hey, we, you know, when things aren't going bad, or you know, when things are going bad, excuse me, you know, we can find a way to rally the troops and still find a way to pull out a win, especially on the road. Uh, and then the last one to me was that Tennessee game. Yeah. And, and you know, the big question was, you know, can Georgia handle a, a, a you know, high-octane offense with a, an elite receivers, with an elite quarterback, a good running game? And, you know, they proved that they can win that type of ball game too and dominate on the defense side of the football. So to me, those were the three games, obviously, along with, you know, the Ohio State game. Um, but regular season-wise, those three are the standing points. One, Oregon. 
we know we belong again this year. Missouri, when things aren't going great, we can still find a way to win. And then, you know, we can stop on defense. You know, we can stop elite offenses and slow them down in their tracks. So uh, those are the three really, really pivotal moments, in my opinion, this season for them. You know, Georgia was obviously uh, more than a one-man band, but Stetson Bennett, you got to talk about him a little bit. What a remarkable season he had. What a remarkable career at the University of Georgia. I, I know you've you've touched on this uh, at different times during the season. And you know, Where do you rank Stetson Bennett in UGA football history? I, I mean, I we've talked about it. You know, it's the stuff that movies are made of, and I'm sure somewhere down the line we're going to have a book and a movie and that kind of thing. But in in your mind, where do you where do you where can you put Stetson Bennett? Uh, he'll be he would be on the Mount Rushmore of uh, you know Georgia football yeah. greats for me. Where do you rank him in uh, UGA football history? Yeah, so I mean, I had him number one quarterback after last year, kind of what he did, you know, how he played in the playoffs, won the national championship. And then, you know, what he's done this year, elevating his game, the, the big plays and big moments, you know, from Oregon to Tennessee, to LSU, to Ohio state, to the national championship. It's like, what are we And then the hard part is it's, it's, it's how, how do you want to rank these players? Are we ranking them on pure talent? Are we ranking them on accomplishments? Are we ranking them on, how we portray their NFL career is going to be, how they fit into the next level. It's like everyone has their opinions based on that. You know, for me, I like to rank it on, you know, you came to Georgia to do one thing. You came to win championships. Who has done that better than anyone else? It's been Stetson. And he has played exceptionally well in the biggest of biggest of stages. And, 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 and who else has been a four-time MVP <laughs> in the playoffs? No one but Stetson Bennett, who's won – Multiple national championships. Stetson Bennett, who's won an SC championship. Stetson Bennett, like he has done everything, in my opinion, of what you needed to achieve to achieve, you know, goat status. So, you know, maybe it's because I didn't live in the time of Herschel Walker. Maybe I wasn't a, you know, I'm not. Maybe I wasn't. I wasn't a Georgia fan when David Pollock played, and I knew David Pollock, and I watched the highlights, but I wasn't as invested as I am now as a former player, as a letterman, and and and. Maybe I'm a little bit biased for the quarterback position as well. I don't know. Maybe throw all that in there. But the fact that he has done everything that he has done in these past two seasons, he's won more championships than anyone else. He's played at an extremely high level. He's been to New York as a Heisman finalist. To me, Stetson Bennett is the greatest Bulldog of all time. Yeah, man. You know, you can't argue with that. And it's just amazing. You know, last year, like a stray dog in the yard, the coaching staff was trying to run him away from the program. And then he turns out to do what he does. It, it, it truly is amazing. Amazing. Now, you talked about him at the next level. What, what do you think, just you know, from your opinion, you NFL guy, yeah. Uh, yeah, what do you think about his potential at the next level? I like it, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was interesting. Uh, Mohamed Masakwa texted me a, a last week. This was after the national championship. And Muhammad's like, man, I don't know the quarterback position as, as well as you. I haven't watched a, you know, as much Alabama film. You know, I've, I've watched a few games. He's like, you know, is there that much of a difference between Bryce Young and Stetson? Like, obviously, Bryce is going to be one of the first two quarterbacks taken, him or CJ most likely. You know, is there that big of a gap where Stetson's a, you know, a fifth to seventh round pick? And I'm like, not, you know, honestly, not really. Yeah. You know, like, is there a gap? Yes. Bryce is. You know, I think I, I think you know Stetson has great arm talent. I think Stetson can make every single throw you want. I think Stetson's mobility is tremendous. You know, Bryce is a little bit more of a playmaker. What he's able to do in the pocket, I would say maybe a little bit of a stronger arm, but not a a four or five round difference gap. So 
I think Stetson's up, you know, could find his way depending on what happens before him. You know, if, if the first four guys are off the board in the first 15 picks, maybe Stetson finds himself in the third round. I'm thinking more realistic somewhere in that fourth round. And you know, if you're a fourth round quarterback, yeah, that means there's some significant money invested in you. You're more light, more more than likely going to make a roster. So yeah, Stetson, in my opinion, um, is a guy that 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 can make a roster, can be a number two quarterback. And 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 we've seen from the NFL this year, I think 60 quarterbacks have started. I would say Stetson is better than five to ten of those guys right now. Oh, yeah. So he, he you know, he's proven to us if he gets the opportunity. He's going to make the most of it, and I think he's going to put himself in a position where the starter goes down, he'll be ready to go and, and see what he can do. Of course, and he's older than a lot of NFL quarterbacks, which yeah. is you know, it really is, it really is amazing. What what team do you and you know just I don't know you speculate, look out across yeah. the NFL land, what team would be a good fit for Stetson Bennett? You think? Uh man, uh, I don't know. I mean, I have to look, dive in and see who needs. You know, some backup quarterback. I mean, everyone does. I mean, How, about How about the Buccaneers? How about the Buccaneers? Buccaneers need some help. You know, an interesting one to me is uh, Sean Payne. You know, Sean Payne, former yes. former coach for New Orleans, um, is is been interviewing with a couple. Um, I, I want to say universities. I'm in such a school mode right now, but right. with NFL franchises, and and he's an interesting one just because of his relationship with Drew Brees. And Drew Brees is. You know, similar stature to to Stetson. I think Stetson is potentially a little bit better in a lot of care, you know, categories. You know, Drew's an, an incredible leader. I think that's that's the one thing that really separated Drew Brees from anyone else is, you know, his work ethic, his accuracy, his timing, his leadership. You know, all those are top of the chart, which is some of the stuff that you really need to do to be a great you know great quarterback. But you know, Stetson has, I would say, if not equal, or better arm strength than Drew Brees. He's obviously more athletic than Drew was. Um, you know, similar body style. So, you know, I'm interested in does Sean Payne, whether if he gets a job somewhere, whether it's Houston or Denver, does he look at maybe bringing in Stetson knowing that, hey, I've had success with a similar quarterback? Yeah, uh, amazing. And it'll be interesting. Now, you know, turning the page, looking forward to next year, you know, the quarterback position, obviously, so critical to a team's success. As you look at the uh, Georgia quarterback room as it is right now, we look to the future. Uh, what do you how, what do you think about the quarterback room in the uh, post Stetson Bennett era? Uh, what, what do you think? How, how's Georgia going to stack yeah. up there? I think they're going to be great, man. It's going to be some competition. You know, I think my the two favorites, in my opinion, are going to be Carson and Brock. I love Carson. I think Carson's a stud. And and you look at what Georgia's done this offseason, and especially in the portal, and how they're building this offense. You know, you got AD, you got McConkey back, you got Browers back. Uh, then you went out there and got Rara and love it from, from, you know, from, um, Missouri and from, from Mississippi state, you know, this is an offense that to me is being built to throw the football and Carson is, is in, and has been the best arm in that, in that, in that room. Um, so I do think that they're, they're saying, okay, Carson, you know, we're going to lean a little bit more maybe towards you to be the starter, obviously still an open competition, but you're going to give you every opportunity to go out there and win it. And, and now we're building kind of our army of weapons around you to go out there and, and really take this offense to another level. So I think it's Carson. I think he has a lot of great attributes. I think he has a hell of an arm. He's accurate. He really showed me a lot this year when he played. And um, obviously he's been in the offense for a couple of years. He knows it. And now it's his time to go out there and shine. And I, I think he's more of a mobile quarterback than some people give him credit oh, yeah. for. You know, uh, oh, yeah. I think he can do that. Of course, you know, Georgia was not a one-man show. Uh, 
share with me some of the other stars stand uh, standouts from this team that you 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 really kind of want to focus on offensively and defensively that really were the keys to this team this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously Bowers. I mean, yeah. just yeah. Bowers is. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to to be on some good teams with some good tight ends and be, you know, with with, you know, Kansas City when when Travis Kelsey got going and kind of see, you know, how, you know, Coach Reed used Travis in a, in a variety of array, ways, which really opened me up to that position even more. And then I was in Philadelphia when Doug Peterson used, you know, Ertz and and how they moved him around. So I've been really fascinated by that position ever since, and really seen it take a hold of both the NFL and college games. So. You know, what Brock has done was tremendous. What Kenny did out of the backfield, obviously Ladd you know, had some ups and downs for the season, but really finished on a high note to see his confidence grow. Um, so, you know, those are the ones that really stand out to me on the offensive side of the football, you know, defensively guys that are coming back next year who really made a, a huge impact this year. And, and you know, got me really excited are guys like Javon Bullard in the slot, who obviously had the two interceptions in the national championship game, you know, Kamari Lassiter and how physical he is on the outside. Malachi Starks, back there on the backside too. So, you know, it's a young football team. I think that's what's really given people a lot of a lot of uh, excitement heading towards next season is, you know, yeah, you lost some superstars on both sides. Yeah, you lost some leadership, but majority of the guys are, are returning on both sides of the football. Uh, you've added some really key pieces in the transfer portal. Um, you know, I feel really good right now saying Georgia's probably going to be in the playoffs. I think Michigan will probably be back in the playoffs. Other than that, I, I really don't know who those other two teams are going to be. So, I think Georgia's in a really, really good spot right now. Yeah, you know, before the national championship game, uh, I, I noticed a blog coming out of a writer that covers uh, the Florida Gators, and he posted a story about how Florida Gator fans should be pulling for Georgia to win the national championship. And one of his points was this, that, you know, we should pull for Georgia to win the national championship because the chances of Georgia winning three national championships in a row is so small. <laughs> and that was his reasoning, you know. But yeah. I, here's here's what I think. Hey, if you can win two in a row, why can't you win three in a row? So, yeah. you know. Well, well, I think I think that Kirby said it. I mean, it is true. Like, the message last year to a lot of these guys, especially on defense, was you know, you didn't win that natty. Those, those six, five or six first-rounders and the 15 guys that got drafted, those guys won the national championship. So the next guys had that chip on the shoulder. You know, it's great returning all these these starters on the football team, but you know, you do worry about complacency. Of right. these guys have now won two national championships. They've started, they've played, you know, will they be as mentally focused this offseason to get back up there and 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 fight as hard as they fought the past two years? That's going to be the question, you know, like I talked about earlier, there's there's no one better right now in college football of of motivating these young men than Kirby Smart is. So he will find a way to really get under their skin and and, and get the most out of them in, in spring and summer and fall camp. So uh, I'm interested to see what his messaging is going to be there. But when it comes to just pure talent, like Georgia will have the most talented football team in college football heading into next season. That doesn't always win it, but at right. least gets you in the conversation. And now it's up to them to see if they can handle the pressure for a third straight year. Yeah. The, now the SEC likes – likes to say as a conference, it just means more. And so now you have another SEC team winning the national championship. You had two Big Ten teams, uh, you know, and a Big 12 runner-up in the semifinals. They all went down. Uh, you know, and, and people love to talk about the SEC bias and all that kind of thing. But it just does mean more. What, what, do you, what, what do you think it is 
And I know great players and great coaches, but what is it that makes the SEC just the best football conference in the nation? What are the elements that go into that? What is the best players? Like the, the Southeast does have the most talent out there. I mean, the, the, from Florida to Georgia, Louisiana, you know, Alabama, the Carolinas, like that pocket has, you know, the most concentration of really good, a mixture of everything, athletes, big guys, physical guys that can play at the line of scrimmage. Like the Midwest has really good, you know, physical big guys. The West Coast in California has, you know, really good skill and quarterback and receivers. Well, I would say, like I said, the Southeast has a mixture of all of that. And that's why you see really complete football teams that can win on both offense and defense, not just like USC that can only score or Michigan that just wants to pound you. You know, you have to have the ability to do both. And and you find that in the Georgias and the in, in the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world. So that's why, you know, I think, you know, the fans too, you know, players want to play in front of big stadiums. They want to play in front of great atmospheres and in college towns. And you, know, you get more college atmospheres and 90 plus thousand stadiums, you know, filled up every single weekend in the SEC. You get more primetime coverage uh, in the SEC. So you put all that together, it's going to attract that top talent to stay in this in, in those states. And it's also going to attract top talent from California, from the Midwest that want to play big time football, that want to compete for championships, that that essentially will travel and 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 leave their home state uh, and where their conference lies to to come to the SEC. Yeah. And, 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 well, who do you think are going to be the biggest challengers for Georgia next year? I think Tennessee, you know, South Carolina is improving. As you look across the SEC East and the, the SEC in general, who's got I, yeah, the I mean, same so, players, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, South Carolina got a big boost with Spencer back. You know, they'll be competitive next year, and and they seem to get things going right now. Uh, I just think there's such, such a major, massive talent gap still between Georgia and them. You know, Tennessee. I think Joe Milton is is you know maybe the most talented, gifted quarterback in college football. Uh, he looked really good this year. He looked tremendous in the Orange Bowl. You know, does he take that next step next year? I'm I'm very fascinated to see what that plays out uh, with him in his third year with Hypo. Um, so I mean, I would say Tennessee, and obviously they have to go to Knoxville next year. It's always a tough place to play. You know, SEC West. I think LSU is the biggest contender. Um, I think Alabama has a lot of questions that need to be answered, especially at the quarterback spot. I don't feel good about them. I think L- LSU with the, what they're returning on offense with Jaden and those receivers and. You know, those two freshman tackles, I feel pretty confident that, that team has an opportunity, especially with Brian Kelly's second season, to, you know, to return back to Atlanta to compete for an SC championship. So those would be my two, you know, East, Tennessee, West, you know, LSU next year again. Yeah. Uh, same old guys loading up again. So let's go yeah. at it. You know, <laughs> let's strap it up and go at it. Uh, you talked about Georgia picking up some players from the portal. We've uh, the, some of the current uh, players from this year's uh, roster moving to the portal. You know, the portal is here to stay in college football. It's not going anywhere. NIL is here to stay. As as we've now moved uh, down, the, you know, two or three years from the beginning of, of those elements in college football, any changes you would like to see and maybe uh, how the portal is handled uh, in yeah. NIL deals? Is it going as planned? Is it going as it should be? Any changes no. you see? No, it's it's a cluster. It's not going yeah. to plan at all. NIL is is out of control. Um, would love to see that more regulated. I'm all for kids getting paid. Just some of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes is just it's too much. Um, and then you know, I'm all for you know once again same thing with the portal. But I just think there needs to be a little bit better scheduling and, and more just for for coaches. I mean, right. 
you know, I was in the butts mirror, you know, week at Christmas and, and seeing the coaches run around, get ready for a bowl game, get ready for transfer portal and, 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 um, signing day. I mean, there's just way too much going on. Like these, these coaches have lives, they have families, they have kids and, you know, they're spending, you know, essentially around the clock, right around the holidays, dealing with all this stuff. Like there needs to be a little bit better when it comes to, to scheduling this out, I think just for their sanity. So um, I know it's still very early for both NIL and transfer portal, but I would like a lot more, a lot of it to, to be cleaned up. Um, and hopefully it does here soon, you know, especially for these coaches. Yeah. I've always wondered why the NCAA is not being a little more proactive and trying to step in and then, you know, control this thing. And maybe they will in the future. Of course, next year, you still have the four team playoff, you know, scenario, but in 2024, now we, we go to the playoff expansion. How do you think that's going to change things in college football? It's kind of fun right now to speculate about it, but what do you think about that? Uh, I think it will be good for the game. You know, obviously give more teams an opportunity. I still think the, you know, the best teams will still find a way to win those games and get there, you know, be, you know, tougher for a TCU to have to win two or three games to, you know, get to a national championship. I mean, I've, I've, you know, kind of broken down of, you know, what TCU's path would have been in order to get there. You know, I think they would have made it to the semifinals, but then they would have had to face probably Ohio State and, right. and Ohio State probably would have beat them and it would have been Georgia versus Ohio State in the national championship. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit harder. Uh, I do think it will create a little bit more equality across the country. You know, when players on the West Coast know that, hey, now, you know, Pac-12 teams have a realistic chance to make the playoffs and maybe I don't need to go to Georgia or Alabama in order to be one of the best teams in the country, you know, maybe if I want to win, yeah, but if I want to be able to make the playoffs and have that that glimmer of hope, I can maybe stay at Southern Cal or USC or Oregon. So I think you'll see more kids stay in their regions of the country because of it. Um, so, yeah, I think overall health of the game will be great. But at the end of the day, we've seen college football change. We've seen it change in the way that it, 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 it crowns a champion and gets to that, and it's usually still the same players. It's yeah. It's – you know, the Alabamas and, you know, those guys are really the ones that at the end of the day are still going to be the best ones to, to, to end up winning, win the championship at the, at the, at the end. You know, I, when I think about college football, and I've been a college football fan for a long time, uh, it's just fun. I mean, it, re- it really is. More games, man. I'm all for more games. Like yeah. At the end of the day, give me more games, and, and you just, listen, you hope that you get what we saw this year in the playoffs, excitement, close games. Yeah, you'll get some blowouts, obviously, but – um, I'm, I'm, I'm fingers crossed. We get more of what we saw this year. Just and, obviously a little bit more competitive championship. Yeah. And, and you don't have that long layoff between the championship games and then, yeah. you know, the playoffs and with the, uh, you know, with the expansion of the uh, playoffs, of course, uh, you know, with the joy that Georgia had with, uh, the national championship game, what a, what a hit in the gut, you know, with, uh, the passing oh. of Devin Willick and, uh, Chandler LaCroix, and uh, then you had two others involved in the accident as well. Uh, that that was just uh, a tough thing, uh, you know, to to see and and to experience. Even those who are you know have no personal connection with those those individuals, yeah. it really hurt. Uh, you, your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a family man. Whether yeah. you're you know a staff member, player, coach, uh, letterman, current student athlete you know, recruit, whatever, like, you know, once you're, you, you, you commit to, to the G you're, you're part of it for life. So, um, you know, it, it, it hurt all of us, especially obviously those on the team that you know, were affected. I talked to Chris Smith last night about it and you could just see the, 
you know, the, the emotion with him. And, and that's one of his brothers. It's someone you are with, you know, all the time, you know, practice meetings and um, just everyone. So yeah, prayers for, for everyone involved um, for those families and just for Bulldog Nation. Like I said, man, once a Bulldog, always a Bulldog. So, you know, we all feel, feel it when we lose one of our own. Yeah, and uh, I did notice uh, today also, I think the Spike Squad uh, lost a former member today. So, you know, they, they, sometimes life really hits you. You know, we love football, but sometimes life really hits you. Well, it's been our great pleasure uh, to uh, have always Aaron Murray with us here on our program. Aaron, thank you for taking time to uh, talk with us. Uh, God bless you and your wonderful family. It's a growing family. You're a good dad, and uh, you do a great job with ESPN, and uh, we appreciate you taking time and joining us, okay? Appreciate you. Go dogs. Go dogs. Dogs on Demand would like to thank Southeast Mortgage, the official home loan lender of the Georgia Bulldogs, for sponsoring our program today. When the time comes to finance or refinance your home, make the smart choice and get your home loan from Southeast Mortgage. Your friends at Southeast Mortgage are ready to help you. Visit southeastmortgage.com slash UGA today for more information. Be sure to visit Dogs on Demand on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and our great interactive website, dogsondemand.com. Join us for our next program as we keep you up to date with the latest sports news from the University of Georgia and more. Until then, be safe and go dogs.